the Buffalo Bills go the distance with the reigning NFC champion Eagles, but fall short in overtime. And the Sabres, Ukapeka Lukanen shows up last night in a 5-1 victory over the Rangers. All of this and more on this edition of the Buffalonian Podcast. All right, let's go. are back with the Buffalonian Podcast. I'm Joe Callie, and as always, I'm joined by none other than Dom Loss. And Dom, we are coming off a loss for the Bills. No no pun intended there, Dom Loss and a loss. But we're coming off a loss for the Bills. Not the same kind of loss as that Broncos loss where it really was doom and gloom. Yeah, they are 6-6 six and six on the season, right? Thir- about a 33% chance to make the playoffs, according to the analytics. But that game was a statement. Josh Allen went crazy. The offense looked great, the best it's looked in a while. I mean, just before we roll into everything, or if you want to roll right into the down five, whatever you want to do here, what do you think? Um, yeah, it's definitely a tough, tough loss. Um, kind of a game they deserved to win. The deserve meter probably was heavily on the Bills' favor, being ahead in the turnover battle. Yeah. Uh, over 100 more yards than they did, a lot more time possession, and um, they won the field position battle as well. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's a, just a tough loss to lose on the road. Um, kinda, Especially to a good team like Philadelphia. Kind of just too. feels like they deserved a better fate than they got. And, um, yeah, it's tough. I mean, it's definitely out of the six losses. I think I was chatting with the producer before the show. It's definitely a tough loss, but it's probably their best performance in a loss. It is um, in my mind. So you walk away feeling better about this loss than you have the other ones through the season. It's just, it just having this loss be number six. Yeah. I think just means and how it is in the type of season um, definitely um, impacts the feeling after the loss. Um, yeah. But yeah, can't this was loss number three. I'd, I'd feel a little more enthusiastic about it. But yeah, just uh, just how it is. It's just a tough way to go. But on to the Dom Five with no highlights this week. Yeah, uh, playing not to lose must end. Um, the Bills, just in the biggest of moments, just always seem to have fallen short this season. Mm-hmm. They're not always like this. Um, I believe they're now twenty and twenty eight in the McDermott era in one score games. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if that's twenty eighteen on or is twenty. I believe it is twenty seven. I believe it is McDermott, not Allen stat. Um, but obviously the two years. I mean, they went two and six and twenty one. Um, I'm blanking on what they did last. I think they won six and three last year or something like that. So this year, obviously, they have six one-score losses, um, and just honestly, just not very good enough. Um, yeah, it's it, it's tough to go from here. I think they're two and six now on the season in one-score games, yeah. and oh and um, six in overtime. It's just the situation of the twenty seconds and one timeout. Feel like you got to give your quarterback, your star quarterback, a shot. I think they were playing a little too scared there. Um, I think the fifty-nine yard field goal freaked him out, McDermott out. I think he said that a little bit in his press conference uh, on Monday about how if somehow they go there and they turn it over, like knowing that Elliott was good from sixty plus, 
they would immediately been in striking distance to win the game. But again, I think that's playing scared. I also I think it's it's not so much the decision to kneel the ball; it's the the use of timeouts, um, icing the kicker, using a timeout. I believe on the third and seventeen, yep. they could have potentially had three timeouts in twenty seconds, which um, you could have done anything, and it's very easy. I don't say it's easy, but I also think last week. Uh, before the first half against the Jets, we saw them really struggle in a very similar situation uh, to try and get in field goal range and then through a Hail Mary that was picked. And then it was actually a pretty decent return. We saw the Miami Dolphins game. So, yeah, I mean, I just think they, they risk play, versus reward they, at that point. It just felt like they played a little bit too conservative at the end of regulation, played for overtime with a gas defense, and uh, they got the ball first and they couldn't get the job done. Yeah, and I mean, at that point, you're playing for overtime, but since Josh Allen's been on the team and through McDermott, you're, you're 0-6 in overtime. So at that point, if you you didn't call that timeout, they were racing the kicker out there, but you called the timeout, gave him time to group. You didn't call that t- second timeout. You would have had two timeouts of 20 seconds. You've seen a team do that in 13 seconds to the Bills. So, I mean, like, you can eat, not easily, like you said, but there was a, a path to go down and score just even get in the field goal range and have Bass. I mean, yeah, he missed that one and got one blocked. But give Bass the opportunity to win the game, and then you're in overtime anyway. Yeah, they, but they just didn't have the no. trust in him. So no, I, I, on to number two, uh, please, sir. Hurts is better than Allen. And I'm I, I'm sorry. Whoa. Whoa. I'm, sorry, I have dyslexia. I, Yikes. You know, <laughs> uh, Allen was better than Hurts. Allen, I think, is a better overall quarterback than Hurts. It's not uh, – this isn't a, a slight Hurts. Um, I also think it's funny looking at the statistics after the game that Hurts had a 96.2 passer rating and Allen had an 82.1. But if you look at their QBR, Josh had an 83.1, which is elite. And Hurts had a very mediocre 54.2. I don't think I've ever seen – um, a QBR at 83.1 kind of outdo a passer rating. I think mean, that's kind of I, I, it's kind of bizarre between the two stats. But yeah, yeah. Um, I think just eye test wise, I think Allen was significantly better. Uh, he made six big time throws according to PFF, which is the most any quarterbacks had in the game this year. I think I don't know who he's. I think he's tied with Dak for one of the games. I mean, he had a 93.3 grade. Hurts again. I think Hurts played amazing in the second half, and you give a lot of props to him. But he was god awful in the first half. Um, and I think Allen's stat line is you take it back looking at what he was dealing with with the weather, also with the drops. I mean, James Cook's dropped a touchdown. There was a little bit of a bath throw to Kincaid. That was a big gain. Uh, there was multiple I mean, other situations. You know, I think Murray might have had a drop. Diggs had a drop. Davis had a ball that he kind of could have caught as well. Obviously, the miscommunication at the end of overtime. I mean, not the end of overtime, but in overtime. Um, so there was multiple, like, the, the stat line of 29 under 60% completion percentage really doesn't tell um, the whole story. He played significantly better than the stat line uh, suggested, also having 81 yards and two touchdowns on the ground. Uh, both good running for us. And they're both fantastic quarterbacks. And But I, I would think 31 out of 32 teams would want Josh Allen over Jalen Hurts. The only team that wouldn't is the team that has them. And, again, they're both elite quarterbacks. I don't think it's degrading one, putting one over the other, just because – but. Saying that just because one person won the game, um, I think it's just, if you're going to do that, please vote Jalen Hurts MVP 1, and then please vote Lamar Jackson MVP 2 because the Ravens are 9-3 and three in the AFC. So um, yeah, pl- pl- please, dra- please, in order, after the season, go to the quarterback wins and just have that be your MVP ballot in a row if you're going to do that. Yeah, I, I I mean, ask. you're right. You, you say they're both elite quarterbacks in their own regard. Allen was... Josh Allen. I think that's the only way you can put that. All right. I mean, 
literally 505 total yards of offense. He had 420 of them himself through the air and through through running, 81 yards on the ground and two touchdowns. This is the Josh Allen you've grown to love here in Buffalo. And, yeah, the one interception, which that was just, I'm going to be honest with you, good defense. That ripped it right out of the hands there. I just – I. It's tough because I'm, I am do this to myself. I watch the national media after these games, and everyone's like, oh, Allen threw that interception. He's the turnover machine. And I'm like, yeah, but when you throw the ball 51 times, you have 51 pass attempts, what are you expecting? Yeah. And that's what we saw. Was it Darius Slay after the game saying? Mm-hmm. You know, he was said Allen, that was MVP out there. You know, I mean, and, he had he had 60 combined touches between passing attempts and, right. and carries, uh, had one turnover. You're going to take those odds. I think another thing that was a difference in the game really is the Bills got the running game going late in the game. But if you look at the rushing stats, actually, uh, the running back, the running backs, if you just don't have Allen in it, had 31 carries for 91 yards. Yeah, which I mean, there was an under, drive. Under three yards a carry. Well, if you look at the Eagles minus Jalen Hurts, they had 18 carries for 120 yards, which is a pretty nice total, to be honest. Yeah. That's over five yards a carry. Well, when they got DeAndre Swift really uh, involved in the second half, that's when things really Actually, took off Actually, that's almost six. So, again, that's yeah. what, I just think there was more around Hurts that was playing better. But, listen, they're both elite quarterbacks. Jalen Hurts did what he did in the second half that credit them um, for getting the win. But I think... Again, this is the same situation of when I said Mahomes played Allen played better than Mahomes in the playoff game. Yep. The reason why I said that is because I thought Mahomes' running game outside of Mahomes was significantly better than Allen's, and Allen had to make more hero ball plays. And I'm not saying that Hurts didn't. I mean, that touchdown to Zacchaeus is amazing and all that. But right. He had to put the cape on. I just, I just thought on. there was so many more just moments for Allen in the game of just eliteness. But on to number three. Special teams matter, man. I mean, special teams matter in, in the biggest way. Yeah. Sam Martin, again, just awful, <laughs> awful day again. Did he go down to 32 yet? I know we said he was at 31 I didn't look last at that. Week. I don't care to look at that. He had four punts for 42.8 average, and honestly, his best punt of the day was a 54-yarder that got returned 18 yards, so we did a 36-yard net on that one. So, um, yeah, awful day for Sam Martin again. Uh, I don't even want to talk about Tyler Bass versus Jake Elliott. I mean, listen, Jake Elliott – 59-yarder in the same direction Tyler Mass misses 48-yarder. Did, did I, I do think have seeing what happened at Tyler Bass's kick to help Jake Elliott because you saw that Jake Elliott started his kick a little bit more to the left and it was tailing right. I think you saw what happened to Bass's kick, how it tailed right. So obviously there was some mm-hmm. advantage, some competitive advantage there for sure. But Absolutely. I mean, that's a 59-yard field goal. I mean, you, you, you miss a 48-yarder, just got to have that kind of have it. Um, would have put them up 20-7, to seven, kind of would have felt like there was some momentum still, and all of a sudden the Eagles score, and it's a three-point game again. Um, the 34-yarder, it's a great play. I, 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 I don't know truly enough about kicking, but it just feels like 34 yards on a block kick. I don't know if that's on the kicker for kicking it too low, and he just got to kick it higher, or mm-hmm. is it just a special teams error? Either way, it's a special teams error. Yes, exactly. Um, so, again, punt, and returning wasn't really all that bad. I thought Shakir was solid, and then he muffed a punt. He actually did muff a punt, so that was actually negative, and then he just picked it up. And uh, Isabella had a nice return, 25 yards to, to the 30 on his one kickoff. But, again, you uh, need that third phase. Giving and, up and an 18-yard, yeah, mm-hmm. they, did, they did not have a great day um, no. in, that, in that category. But No, I don't really have much more to say, so we can move yeah. on to the next it was, one. It was Jake Elliott, good, my fancy kicker. Thank you for the five points. <laughs> Listen, but, what a dog. 59-yarder uh, in that Again, that's another thing I say about the Hurts thing is that, like, if that kick didn't go through, 
we'd have a completely different discussion, which exactly. is whatever. Which is whatever. Um, on to number four. <laughs> oh boy, the refs do the Bills <laughs> no favor. Um, it was a one-sided game, calling wise. I think in the second half it got a little bit better. Uh, but obviously the first half, the the missed horse collar, the intentional grounding, which was still a bad call because Gabe Davis was two yards away from the ball. Um. So they just missed that one. Uh, that really did cost the Bills because obviously that was a 34 field goal that got blocked. Uh, they lost a lot of momentum there with that situation. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, just a lot of bad calls. I know the 15-yard penalty, uh, honestly, reference for the Eagles was a bad call. It was a flop by Josh. Um, but at the same time, like one bad call doesn't make up the, the tons of awful calls consistently around the Bills. And it's something they had to overcome, and they did a pretty decent job of overcoming it for the most part. But... Yeah. Um, it was disappointing that it just seemed like it was very one-sided and there were some obvious calls that uh, did not go the Bills' way, and that's incredibly frustrating. It is. It is. And I uh, I do have something put together here if we're ready for that. I like to call it Bills versus Refs. Okay? We're going to go through, and if you're watching on the video side, you'll see it. But right here, there's a nice horse collar yanked down where you see the flag come out eventually, and you're like, oh, yes, they got the call. Nope, intentional grounding on Josh Allen. Like you said, Gabe Davis is literally right there. We have Stefan Diggs here. Lucky his jersey didn't get ripped on that. I mean, just being clearly held. He gets blocked in the back here, just out of nowhere after they're already in the end zone. And then here, this one's close, as Tony Romo mentioned. But we see Sherfield get wrapped up before the ball does come close. I mean, it, that one I can I can see the discrepancy on and them, you know, not calling that. Because that the ball was within a certain distance, but... It's still close, but the other ones are just, I don't know. That's, they're just inexcusable. And I hate to blame, I hate to blame anything on the refs. Cause I feel like that's just the cop out you see on Twitter, right? Like, oh, the refs, the refs rigged this one and all this stuff. But at the same time, these are inexcusable calls missed. I mean, we go back this entire season, whatever team you, you follow officiating wise, just looking back the bills, that intentional grounding up the field where Allen was looking for Diggs or uh, Davis, sorry. And Davis was still running and stopped as the ball was in the air. And that's intentional grounding. Like this game was, this game was a, a standing point though on Holy cow. That was horrible. I mean, you went through it and the Dom five right there on number four, just had to put it on video. It's just abysmal, abysmal. Yeah. And then finally the last one, um, the, the question to remain, what yep. happens next? Obviously we're going to the buy six and six. Um, seems like the Bills have to go at least four and one. They can't go to three and two. They have to go four and one in this next five games, which is a tough stretch. Um, they really hypothetically can only afford to lose that game to Dallas. It's only an AFC game left on their schedule. Um, don't feel like they could afford to lose any AFC games. And um, it's it's a tough it's a tough situation to be in. But I think we saw some some a lot. Of, I think. The result of the game will be negative, and what happened at the end dish of the game and with the refs will always be a negative view, but there was a lot of positives. I think the first half defense was a positive. I don't know what happened in the second half. you got to give credit to Philadelphia for adjusting, but felt like the Bills kind of uh, just had – it felt like Philadelphia was one step ahead of them uh, on the offensive side of the ball. Yeah. But defensive, offensively, um, I think we don't – I think well, McDermott gets a lot of hate. I think rightfully so for his, you know, how the defense fell apart in the second half, how his in-game choices. Yeah, his game time decisions. I do decisions. think we haven't given him enough credit for the fact of he moved on from Ken Dorsey, and went to Joe Brady. I think 
while that looked scapegoatish at the time, even I was saying it was scapegoatish, Josh Allen, the last two games, probably played his best, not, not his best two, but in consecutive weeks, I think that's his best two-week stretch. Yeah. Um, it's and, funny. I just so happen to, as you're saying that, I'm scrolling through Twitter, Bruce Nolan goes, whispers, we should be giving Sean McDermott yeah, a little bit of credit. That. Yeah, so as, as you're that, saying that, but, I just happen to see it. So it's just, but, just funny. Yeah, I think it's a situation <laughs> where, um, yeah, I think I think we, 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 we fault McDermott for a lot that's going on, and I think a lot of people's next question would be like, why didn't they move on from Dorsey sooner if this was the case? And it's like, well, it's a year and a half. That's kind of, I mean, early to move on from an offensive coordinator in itself. Um, so, I mean, we could have a debate about that, but I, looking from what Joe Brady is talking about, um, I think we should give McDermott a little bit more credit for that. But at the end of the day, they're going to they need to get hot at the right time. And listen, they're 6-6. Six and six. They got to go at least 10 wins. They got to go at least 10-7. Yep. And um, we'll see if that is doable. I think they have the, I think they do have the squad to do it. I agree. I think you just saw them go toe-to-toe with arguably you could make a case for one of, if not the best team in the NFL on the road in bad conditions that mm-hmm. you would think would favor the Eagles and their play style. So they could do it, They could do it, but they got to play their best football for five consecutive weeks now after this bye, and how inconsistent they've been, that's taller. It is, and... Like you said, this I do still believe this squad is the squad that can get it done. It's going to be a question of will all the pieces fall into place properly? Can you win out or drop maybe one game against Dallas? Like you said, the remaining NFC game. That's going to be the thing at the end of the day. And it's just the guys can do it. I have a good feeling about it. But at the same time, you got to kind of not be skeptical, but you keep your keep your um, expectations where where it should be because you don't you don't want to hype yourself up too much. Like, oh, we saw them do this well last night; they're going to win out. Well, I think that is a possibility, especially if the offense continues to produce the way it has the past two weeks under Joe Brady and the defense. I mean, does the what they did in the first half in the in the Eagles game really just shuts down offenses? There's a chance here in. I, I, it's not out of the question, but not getting my hopes too high. The, the, we just have to watch and see how it plays out because the AFC is so tight right now, especially the playoff picture for a lot of teams. It's going to be tough, especially losing so many games in the AFC conference games like the Patriots game where you should have won. It's just, you know, it's going to be tough to kind of see where everything wraps up. My last two points before we go to the Sabres. One, the miscommunication at the end of, I should keep saying the end of overtime, in overtime. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think it's necessarily on Davis at all. Um, There's a similar type of play that happened in the playoff game against, no, I'm sorry, was it the playoff game against Kansas City? Yeah, it was the playoff game against Kansas City. Um, The coverage was different there than it was uh, in Philadelphia. I think Davis read it right. I don't think, but again, maybe in a situation like that, um, there is a different communication between the quarterback and wide receiver, regardless of coverage. Hey, go to the middle. Um, we saw that, not a, not quite the similar play, but with Knox game winning touchdown against Kansas City. Uh, maybe you know when Allen was pointing for him to go down to the middle, but then he just still ran the corner out. I mean, it was a touchdown, but I think there might be a situation of kind of Allen's mindset where run to the middle of the field for pay dirt if mm-hmm. you could do it. 
So I, I, I again, I like that Joe Brady in the press conference they took the took the fall on that, but it just seemed like there was a miscommunication there, and I don't, yeah. I don't think it's fair to like say one player was in the complete wrong or no. all that. I think that's just silly and um, just a little miscommunication. Just got to move on from that. Second thing mm-hmm. is this, and this is my last thing before we can talk about Sabers is this playoffs that the Bills miss is going to be boring as hell. Yes, because you're already going to be without Joe Burrow. I mean, I don't. The Bengal. I mean, he is out for the year. He's and done. Herbert, he just had surgery. Actually, he's doing all right. They yeah, said. Yeah, Herbert's so. gonna miss. Mm-hmm. Uh, if the Bills miss, I mean, what's happening? That just sucks. K- I mean, KC gonna go all the way. Just, Ravens gonna go it, all the way. It, it's just a tough moment for football fans in general, not just us Bills fans, um, because at that point, it's probably gonna be Kenny Pickett and DTR in the playoffs. Um, Good lord. Or some maybe Russell Wilson or. God forbid, Gardner issue. So, um, that's at least <laughs> C.J. Stroud is the, like came on and made it like at least five interesting quarterbacks. But yeah, uh, already with the mess that's happening in the NFC, I mean the AFC not having, it's just uh, that would just suck. But right, can I ask a quick question, real quick, before we move to the Sabers? Sure. So at the end of the season, Bills miss the playoffs. Right. Let's just say that's that's what ends up happening for for the sake of this conversation. We talked after the Denver loss, you know, we talked scapegoat, like you mentioned, McDermott on the hot seat. The Bills don't make the playoffs. What does that future look like on this team? I, I want to ask you because I've seen it being talked about in a lot of places that he's, they move on from him. Um, people are already saying Joe Brady needs to be head coach. That's ridiculous. He's had two games as an offensive coordinator for the Bills. But where's your head stand on that? If the Bills miss the playoffs, what happens with the head coaching position? I think Sean McDermott will coach the team in 2025. Yeah? Not 2024. 2024. Excuse me. I'm blanking a year. But, yeah, I don't I don't think they're going to fire him. I think him um, moving on from Dorsey saved his skin a little bit this season. Sure. I, will say I just don't think they're going to fire him. I think they could. I think what they're going to talk about is how they're 2-6 and six in one-score games. Saw it now with the Vikings, who yep. were in 11-0 and 0 last year, and that's fallen back to being under 500. I think – they could convince Terry that, hey, like, we could get back to 500 in those games and we're still going to be able to put a good roster up against Josh. And there's a lot of positives about the roster. I know they're yeah. in cap hell next year as well, but Negative they, they could, million they right could now? figure out yeah. a way to get out of it uh, pretty easily, I think. Um, and there's also a situation where the schedule, they'd play a second-place schedule in the AFC, so they would not have to play Kansas City. They wouldn't play... Um, at the moment, Jacksonville. Yeah. I'm sorry, excuse me, I'm wrong about that. They play the AFC South, so they would be playing Jacksonville. Well, no they could what. march their way but through But they the wouldn't season. be playing Kansas City. They would not be playing Baltimore. Heck, they would avoid playing Cincinnati. Uh, they would play the NFC West. And then they would currently play the Vikings in the NFC North as the 17th game. Mm-hmm. Um, so the schedule is actually pretty favorable. Um, they would play Denver and oh, I'm blanking. I think Pittsburgh is the second-place team in the AFC North. It might be... It might be still be Cleveland, um, but one of those yeah. two teams that isn't doesn't like you wouldn't play Joe Burrow either. So I think they could talk. I think well, I don't think yeah. they. I, I, listen, as much as I'm kind of I've on a six out of ten, I think I would fire McDermott. I don't think they're gonna do it. Has it simmered down in your head a little bit from what it was a couple weeks ago? I mean, I don't. I don't know. I think that was just an emotional reaction. I think it's built <laughs> a little. It's actually built a little bit more. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm a 6 out of 10, but I don't think they're going to do it. I think they could convince Terry that just a down year sucks. 
it's unfortunate for us fans, um, but they could bounce back very easily on 24. Yeah. Obviously, if they don't do that, I think he's good as then, gone. Yeah. Um, but also, it just comes down to the situation of who would replace. I, I, I hate being the guy like, ooh, like a lot of other beat No, but you're firing your defensive beat, coordinator a lot at of, the same A lot time. of beat reporters, I don't care about that. A lot of beat reporters are talking about how, oh, you know, be careful what you wish for. I don't care that much about that. It would just be like, I don't think hiring a first year off high coach is really a great idea. I would want someone who's a little bit more experienced. Mm-hmm. Maybe if you could get Jim Harbaugh from Michigan, but um, I guess Ben Johnson or the offensive coordinator from Houston who would be a first year, I think that's dangerous, but maybe more offensive mind. But um, yeah, I don't think they're going to fire him regardless. I guess as long as they go like six and 11, yeah, I think he's gone. But they, if they're competitive down the stretch and they miss out by a game, go nine, eight, 10, seven. Yeah. No, I'm I'm kind of right there with you on that, honestly. It's died down a little bit in my <laughs> my head. But moving on to the Sabers here, we'll talk some more. Well, actually, just a housekeeping note: we're taking a bye week as well from betting on the Bills, so uh, we'll be back next Friday to to cover them uh, and some other games from around the slate. So we're gonna we're gonna join the Bills in the bye week. And we're gonna move on to the Buffalo Sabers. I mean, last time we talked. They, since last time we talked, let's just run through the results. Lost 4-3 to to the Capitals in overtime. They lost, or they won against the Penguins 3-2 to on Friday. On Saturday, they lost to the Devils 7-2. to That was rough. And then last night, they beat the Rangers 5-1 to with UPW in net. So, I mean, what do you, what do you, I guess, I know we always start these segments off, but like, what, after a week like this, they're, are they 500? They're 10 and 10 and 1? Is that what they are? 10, 10, 2. 10, 10, and 2? Right, 2. What are you, what are you thinking? Uh, they still got to hit another gear. 500 yeah. is not good enough, but it's not the wor- worst week of the world. But to blow a game against a bad team in Washington on the road is tough. And then yeah. to get curb stomped by uh, New Jersey is just very unacceptable. But uh, it's not the worst week of the world. But we have a new kind of thing with the Sabres, better organization for us. Uh not down five because five takes would be a lot, but down three, I don't know. I don't down three fifths. I don't know. I will think of a name, but uh, three <laughs> takes. Uh, number one, uh, Benson deserved to stay. Obviously, he had that sick goal against Washington. Probably the greatest first career goal I've ever seen in my entire life. Yeah. Uh, obviously, coming from a biased Sabres fan, um, but <laughs> uh, he deserved to stay. I think you could really see his two-way game. I really liked the line of Cousins, Paterka, and Benson uh, yesterday against uh, the Rangers. And, yeah, I think him playing at this high level, having that two-way game, it's very uh, similar to what Jack Quinn was doing last year. So I think that's very exciting. Obviously, maybe not have the points or even the goals. I've certainly having won, but I think those will eventually come for him, and they're playing very well with him on the ice. So I think, and and he also played a lot in the third period, uh, in a one-goal game for most of the third period yesterday against the best, well, the number one team in the NHL, I believe, in points. So. Uh, very impressed by him at such a young age and uh, very excited to see the future of him. Yeah, I mean, like you said, that first career goal for him, that just, I don't know, makes you, makes makes a grown man want to cry, right? You know, right through, right through the legs. It was just, you know, that's what you want to see. He did deserve to stay. They activated the first year of his rookie contract technically with, uh, you know, him playing that 10th game. But that's what you want to see. You want to bring the young guys up, give them the opportunities. Don't let, don't play them for four minutes and then send them out the door back down. Uh, listen, I, I'm happy with Benson. I think he's been great. So 
I, I'm right with you on that. Yeah, and on to number two. Um, lab disc choices are amateur level. I don't understand what's going on. Uh, Ryan Johnson <laughs> didn't play a lot in the third period. I'm very concerned that they're going to move on and put him down to Rochester or do something stupid. Uh, Yoki been... got scratched the other day. I, I think it was a healthy scratch, but I think they tried to um, – I don't know. They tried to make that a little bit more of a. He was sick and they needed conditioning. They scratched Kalik yesterday uh, to run an eleven-seven, citing that he needed to play three games in four games, three games in four days. Excuse me, but Rosine was doing the same thing. So, um, yeah, I don't fully understand that. Um, you know, again, trying to stay positive with this, but it just seems like it's not that hard to run a twelve-six, um, and they're just kicking. You know they made a choice against Benson that really they, that he forced their hand, and they were they refused, um they just refused to make a very difficult decision of who's which one of the defensemen they're going to scratch and as long as it's not Ryan Johnson, Darlene Power, I'm fine with it. Like I don't think Samuelson's played very well this year. That contract is, uh, yeesh. Um, yeah, no, not good. I could care less about Clifton. Have one of the worst games I've ever seen in defensive play against New Jersey. Uh, everyone knows I'm not a big Eric Johnson fan. I actually don't mind Yoki Haru this year. I thought he played really well, actually, um, against the Rangers. So, actually, I would be bothered if Yoki Haru would be the one that we scratched. Um, but pick one of the three and just scratch him, and let's play the guys. I give credit to Olsen. He's turned around and played very hard. Uh, maybe he's working his trade value up so they could trade him. Um, yeah, goal Olsen. But, but I just run a 12-6. This isn't that difficult. Um, please just run a 12-6, and then when you get Greenway back, Maybe we could see Rosine and Kulik stay and have uh, – maybe they send down Levi um, to open up that roster spot. I don't know if he's actually an IR. Or if, if Tage comes back and we could rotate 21, 28. Obviously, 28 is already injured, but 21 could get some time off also, um, you know, to get his wheels going again. So, But uh, just a lot of decisions. I, I don't understand why they keep running 11-7. Just please run a 12-6 and make some – I mean, just make a tough decision. Yeah, no, 12 and twelve and 6 should be what they're doing. We texted, I mean, in a group chat last night, a lot of our, you know, high school friends, just no one seems to understand what exactly is going on. Um, you're right, amateur level. And the fact that we're even saying Ryan Johnson can be sent down is frustrating to me because genuinely he's shown himself out here. He's proven that he was NHL ready. He's going to, it's, it's going to come with growing pains. But I mean, like, we make the joke. Right, they bring him up. He plays well. Wow, it's almost like he's been NHL ready, and that's when he's been touted as since being picked up. Right, like that's the whole point. You don't want to see guys like that go down. And you're right, Olafson might be just working up his trade value. Maybe they're going to try and get something for him. But I think these lineups definitely twelve and six is the way to go. And let's let's go to at least amateur pro, something like that. I don't know. Maybe maybe not full pro. We're not going to expect the world, but let's let's bump it bump it up a little bit. That's where I'm at. Yeah, and then my last one, uh, my third one, is I just don't know if they have the pressure. To, are they trying to win? Do they have the pressure to win? I think maybe us as fans have higher ex- – I don't even know if higher expectations is right because the team keeps talking about their playoff team. But um, it's a situation maybe very similar with the Bills where if they miss the playoffs, are they really going to clean house? If the Sabres miss the playoffs, are they really going to clean house? I think mm-hmm. every fan would say yes. Uh, maybe they don't have that pressure. I don't know, but it just feels like – UPL, as much as I doubted him, and I thought they should move on from goalies. Are, goalies are voodoo. Uh, he deserves to have the crease. Uh, that's the reason why they kept three goalies. Is they didn't know which one was going to take the crease. Uh, he t- he took the crease. He deserves the majority of the starts. 
I think that easily clears Comrie to have kind of a backup role, and I think that easily shows that Levi needs to go down to Rochester. Again, he's not going to get the opportunity to develop, and he's also just not playing well enough to help the team win. Again, are you trying to win? Or are you trying to like step on feathers? I, I, you know, walk on eggshells, as someone would say. Yeah. That's another easy decision I would make. Obviously, maybe they're waiting for some of the forwards to get injured. I mean, to get injured. Wow, to come back from injury mm-hmm. again with the defense. It just the frustration of this team is that they're just so focused on. I don't. I just not hurting people's feelings. It feels like that they just need to like do what needs to be done. Uh, with the whole Levi and goaltending situation, the defense situation, playing the younglings in the forward group. Um, it's very frustrating. I think yesterday we saw a really nice change of pace, more a high event type of game. They were getting the saves from UPL, which they weren't getting last year. I think that's the difference is that this year they haven't been able to produce offense because I think they've just been so focused defensively. And that I just... Yes, as fans, do they need to tone it down maybe a little bit, but they toned it down so much where their offense is, like, they're generating at a bottom five pace. Yeah. And they just need it. Their biggest strength is their rush offense. Do they need to get better defending rushers, sir? But they're getting the saves this year, and I think they need to go back maybe into that and, and go heavier into rush offense. Um, this, I, I, this is a question they're trying to win or not. I, I, and that's, that's incredibly no, it's a, frustrating having to say out loud, but it's true. It's a valid question. And at this point, you're right. They have dialed back the offense to the point where they are producing at a bottom five level. That offense, yeah, you used to give some stuff up, right, with that high-flying, high-excitement, fast, super-fast-paced offense. You gave up some defensive stuff, right? At this point, that's what made the team competitive. That's what made the team fun to watch. That's what made the team gave them that edge, in my opinion. You know what I mean? And now you're taking that away at that point to help out, to focus on the defense. But you got to go back to the, the formula, that was winning you games last year, getting you a game out of the playoffs, right? You're one game out last at the end of last season. You're 500 right now, 10, 10, and 2. I think you got to pick up the pace on the offense a little bit and get the production going again. And, of course, once everyone's healthy again, I think there will be a production boost if people if they come back out at full strength. So, But I'm, I'm kind of I'm with you on that. they got to dial that up a little bit to, to bring it back. Yep. And my final uh, bonus take... Patrick Kane signed with the Red Wings, one year, $2.75 million. Um, again, pretty pleased that it's not with the Sabres. Guess um, what, though? We're going to a game December 5th, and that just so happens to be the Red Wings game. Yeah, I don't know when he's co- supposed to come back. Obviously, people haven't done well with the hips resurfacing surgery. Yeah. So I have Nick Baxter, so... Uh, good luck to you, I guess, Patrick, but not too much luck because you're playing for a division rival. Yep. Um, happy that he didn't sign with the Sabres. Me as and well. They didn't, they didn't go in, and I th- I would assume that they had a two-year, one multi-years, and they gave it to him. I think he might be a Sabre, but I guess uh, good for Kevin Adams for not doing that. And uh, our last part of this segment will be that the Sabres play in St. Louis on Thursday, in Carolina on Saturday and at home against Nashville on Sunday. Um, should be an exciting three-game slate. Um, kind of need to get get rolling here. Obviously, Joe alluded to it. They're back to being a 500 team, but 81, 82 points is not going to make the playoffs. you got to get at least, I think, another 15-plus points than that. So they got to start making it up and going on a little bit of a run here. And um, mm-hmm. 
I would say my MVP of the week will be Oi Benson, Zach Benson. I think he <laughs> I think he pots three goals in two games and I really I really liked how that line played. I think Cousins is kind of lost a face shield or whatever that was. I don't know what that was. It's a what what's it called? A bubble? A bubble. Is it really called a bubble? Yikes. The bubble popped apparently and he doesn't have it anymore, which is great. Yeah. Uh I think Patricus put in <laughs> Easily, you can make a case they're second best forward behind Milstead. Um and I really like how Benson's playing. So I really like that line. I think Benson's going to have a breakthrough uh, week here. I like it. I like it. I I hope Benson has a breakthrough week and has a big one. Uh, we saw, you know, like we we've talked about, the offense is kind of slowed down to what it was. I think. I mean, we saw it last night. Tucky got in on the action. Give me give me Tucky for my MVP. He's going to have he's he's going to have big few games here. I think he comes out as a multi goal scorer. And especially in the Blues game, Hurricanes, he's going to be a big part, especially on that top line. Middle stat, too. I mean, there are a couple guys you could go with here, but I'm going with Tucky here. I think he's going to have a big week. And then next Tuesday, we'll chat about the Bills. Well, no, we won't chat about anything with the Bills. We'll probably talk primarily Sabres and how the AFC is looking after, after next week. And then we go to that Red Wings game. Maybe we'll see Patrick Kane, how long it takes him to go. We don't know. Probably not, I would assume. But uh, – it shall be interesting, but I, I think it's time we chat for the last few minutes here, on the Buffalonian Bowl broadcast. So you, you, if if you are a follower on the video side of things on the YouTube page, you may have seen us go live on Saturday, Saturday morning. Yeah. Saturday morning. So you may have seen us go live last Saturday morning for a Turkey Bowl, a nice flag football Thanksgiving game that we titled the Buffalonian Bowl underestimated the temperature and how batteries do in the temperature. So uh, we only got to halftime on the broadcast, but that's something we will be doing in the future. And uh, we, we saw some positive numbers on it too. People commenting, they liked it. So I'm all for that. And if you guys like it, comment and Dom, you played in it. What'd you think? Uh, honestly, we got pretty good weather, all things considered. It was just cold, but I mean, I think kind of expect that this time of year. Um, maybe we'll do one over the summer that we'll have to deal with the heat. Yeah. Um, be like Miami. Yeah, it, was, it was a fun time. Obviously we got killed. Um, <laughs> credit to the trash pandas. Uh, they were more prepared and just actually played better than us. But as I always allude to multiple things can be true at once. They played very well and were more prepared and we just, we just didn't get in the right, you know, mindset of, you know, who to attack? Did you say when? you played complimentary football? No, we didn't. I mean, we just <laughs> we we focused maybe a little bit too much on plays. Uh, obviously, turnovers hurt us. Um, mi- some miscommunications defensively. So, um, you know, credit to them, they played well again. But it's always a situation where I always like, as, as Joe Brady said, point the thumb at you know, yourself. We needed to do a lot better, and um, I made some mistakes defensively, letting guys get behind me on. End zone plays, dropped a ball, uh, can't happen, and um, yeah. Alrighty, well, accountability—that was refreshing. There you go. I mean, at least um, you weren't like Sean McDermott on the podium, where he said actively says so much without saying a thing. But you know, it's we, a skill. Sh- I think that's it a is skill. a skill. It's a coach. It's skill. a PR skill. It I'm is. Gonna be honest. It is. It is. So we'll get you there. We'll get you there in the next Buffalonian Bowl. But without further ado, that's going to do it for this edition of the Buffalonian Podcast. Thank you to our producer Mooch Michael Loss. We really appreciate it. Everything you do, 
getting our well normally getting the highlights going but we did not this week even though we definitely could have they had a really good game offensively but it just we got to stick we got to stay consistent a loss equals no highlights the refs were the highlights of today but Tom no Friday I just want to point that out again no betting on the bills this week we're taking the bye Dom how do you always end these go bills baby go bills enjoy the bye enjoy football we'll see you next Tuesday